Welcome to the Salon Owners Collective Podcast. Each week on the podcast, you'll hear stories and tactics from experts and influencers who will provide you with actionable steps to transform your business and your life. I'm your host, Larissa McClemon, and I help salon owners move from stress and overwhelm to lead a life of freedom and profit by implementing a strategic framework to grow and scale their business. So wherever you are in the world, I want to officially invite you to join me in this episode and make an important step in your journey towards more freedom and more profit. Last year, I'm sure you thought that you'd seen it all. And as you headed into the new year, excited for a fresh start to achieve big plans that have been put on hold from the year before. Salon started to reopen and we saw clients coming back through the doors and it felt like everything was going to slowly return back to normal. However, we were in for a rude awakening, right? And I think we all came to realize that our old normal was no longer going to be. COVID is well installed into our lives and We really now are living this new normal. Even now, salons across the world are still experiencing lockdowns and more recently restrictions around vaccinations. And I really think we've come to the time where we realize this is not going to end. This is our new normal. Will we ever get used to this constant feeling of limbo of change and unexpected short notice change? Not sure. And as a salon owner, You've had to get super creative in finding ways to generate income. Uh, Unsurprisingly, team is always a huge focus throughout this past year. I don't think that's ever going to change in this industry. You've also had to manage job stress, trying to keep your team happy, keep your team's jobs intact, even though it may have felt like everything was falling apart at the time. It's been super stressful, to say the least. But now I think things are starting to look up. Whilst we're facing new challenges when it comes to vaccination guidelines, we have at least turned a corner. Now, in saying this, I want to take an opportunity to reflect on the most popular and the most downloaded podcast episodes from the previous year. Now, I know you're going to find this super valuable as you head into the new year uh, to give you a little bit of confidence and direction. So let's move forward into this new year ready to have a more consistent business, more consistent client flow, fingers crossed, and a focus on growing our salons to be the best that they can be. So I want to bring some light on how amazing you as a salon owner have been and how you've tackled uncertainty with your team. And with the year that this industry has had, I'm sure it's been Hard to stay motivated at times, maybe, let alone staying positive and strong for your team as a leader. This has been no small feat to hold yourself accountable and to stay on track each day. But despite the hard times, you inspire me. So this episode was one of my favorites. Based in Sydney, Salon CEO Stevie has a real knack for sharing his expert advice when it matters most. And What he has to say around team motivation and leadership, especially during the longest lockdown ever, kind of came at a perfect time for salon owners. So let's jump back in and check out a couple of snippets from this super popular episode with Stevie English. Talk to me a little bit about that experience, because this is the longest time, second time around, but this is the long time. Yep. Yep. So we're on, I think we're, I think it's either eighth week or ninth week in lockdown here in Sydney, Australia. Uh, and it feels weird. I'm in my salon. So I've, I've, I've driven here because I've got kids who are on homeschool and to try and do like a, a zoom meeting and they're in their zoom classrooms, it, the, it, the, the, the <laughs> bandwidth um, and someone shouts down, who's on the internet. And so um, that's the Australian internet for you. So I've come to the shop and it feels quite weird coming to the salon where there's nothing, you know, even after eight weeks of doing, you know, all the hairs falling down to the floor, it still could probably do with a bit of a brush and stuff like that. But I, I mean, in terms of coping, uh, I think my wife and I are coping well. Uh, we're keeping busy. Um, we've been painting our house and stuff like that, doing little bits and pieces. Uh, and, and I mean, but also, I mean, connecting with your staff, doing all that sort of stuff. Um, so firstly, I think <laughs> it, it, you, you get quite selfish in, in, in your, in your headspace. 
Um, and I think the first two weeks was a bit of, you don't really know what's going on. Oh, is it going to be for a week? Is it going to be for two weeks? I'm just going to get drunk. And I think that's what I did for, I think we definitely did that for uh, two weeks. And then we're like, okay, this is going to be much longer. And so then we, and, and although we were already doing um, twice a week Zooms with our staff, uh, which we've nabbed down to one because I think it was a bit of overkill. But um, yeah, it was, it's definitely uh, different. Um, and so I think that first two weeks was what's going on. And now we've got into a swing of things of, okay, I've, I have a checklist every day that I have to do. I have a certain amount of exercise I have to do. We even take the kids out before they do the Zoom with the dogs, just so that you're not going from your pajamas straight into going to a classroom. Well, you know, I think it's really important, that sort of stuff. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, yes, it's, I mean, I don't know what else really to say rather than, I mean, we're doing some click and collects as a salon and we, we're sort of, um, we, we have, uh, you know, shampoos and conditioners and treatments, your K18s and all that sort of stuff. So, um, it, it's, it's got a little revenue stream. So clicking off your website and um, we're pushing through your stories and trying to do that stuff. But uh, predominantly I have been painting. I was gurneying my garage last night and I've been surfing a lot. So, nice. you know, an excellent. Yeah, it's so different. And it's for, for all of us, we've never been in a place like this before where we're told mm. since I was 17 and I've been hairdressing and working and really not had a day off. You know, I've had holidays and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, and all of a sudden you're told you can't do what your passion is and your love and, you know, so, and, and that's, that's, that's quite challenging. But I would say that um, for, again, Mel and I, and, and I definitely really uh, believe in um, not worrying about stuff that I can't control. Yeah, I really love that about them walking in, in their own shoes and um, because I think sometimes we can hold on to our team so strongly. They're so important for uh the lifeblood of our business but sometimes i think it's easy to hold on too long uh, too too strongly to how they do things or how they're living their own lives and the impact that has on our business it's, it's hard to find that balance i think for a lot of owners so i like that perspective it's like we can only we can uh, only uh lead and guide we can't control oh uh, and, and i think uh, micromanagement for me isn't something that i'm a fan of um, I think leading with empathy is is probably um, a better way of doing it. And that your team are your lifeblood of your business and you can't do it without them. And so, you know, there's that, there's always a happy X from what you want and what they want. And you have to find that. And I think, and it's not the same, you know, it's not round holes, square pegs or whatever it is. It, it's, it's really trying to, um, and I think in today's business, and, and I think we might see this actually coming out of, lockdown more is in today's businesses people will want their own stuff more because they've just been around and I think it's really important to understand that and be flexible and I yeah. think that if you can find someone that wants to work two days a week and you know they don't want to work a Saturday you've got to make that work for your business you know because and those long term will be you know we've got staff that have been with us for 14 years pretty much from day one um and and and, and it, it's been able to adapt and and help and, and I, I would say that that is probably a little bit of a secret of our success in terms of we really appreciate our team um and we have to try and mold and bend for them you know that, that obviously there's that, you know it makes it sound like we're pushovers and that's not it at all there's always a you know that there's things that we will accept and there's things we won't accept and we have team values and we have all that sort of stuff but at the same time you, you know you want your, your mums to go home and see their kids to put to bed. You don't want them staying back late at night. And, and that breeds negativity and all that other stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, I guess I can see too that sometimes uh, when a business gets to a certain size, it has a little bit more freedom and flexibility to be flexible for its, for, uh, its team members because there's, a, there's always a core group or there's enough to go around. I can see that that's more challenging when you've got a smaller business and you're trying to just cover opening hours, for example, or have enough people on on a Saturday. There's a little bit of a benefit of uh, more flexibility as you, get, as you get slightly larger and you have some longer-term people. Would, yeah. would you say that's true? Uh, I, absolutely. And I mean, you know, and again, uh, what works in our business isn't necessarily going to work in everyone's business. And I, and I would always... Um, 
you know, and I've been in many business seminars and I listen to lots of fantastic hairdressers. And I think, you know, you've got to understand that their business is their business, right? And how they run it and what they do is you actually just have to listen and go, that's a good idea. How can I adapt that for myself? Um, But I do think um, in COVID times, you know, I, I do think that the uh, adaption or the the change of people's mindset, there might be more people that want to work at a different time schedule. And, you, you know, we might end up having uh, more staff that work less hours. You know, yeah. people might go, I actually really enjoyed having the time off to see my partner, to see my kids, to walk my dog. Maybe I can do that. I, 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 you know, I don't know. And, and maybe there's going to be a lot of businesses that, you know, struggle and go under for those reasons. I don't know. I definitely feel there is a sort of a global awakening or a movement or shift towards, oh, like what is what is the purpose of my life? What am I, where am I investing my time and my focus? And what do I actually like and care about? Maybe because we've all paused and had a moment to think or to experience oh, it even. Yeah. I mean, I, I, mean, I can, um, I can see what my retirement's going to be like. And, <laughs> and, and, and I, it, you know, I, I definitely think I, the hours are great, but the, the financial side's pretty shit. Right. And so then, <laughs> you, you know, like, so you're like, well, and so I guess it's trying to find that balance. And I think that that's, that balance is what you want for your team as well. You know, it's not much point having, um, you know, your team working 40 hours a week and they have no life balance either. Yeah. You know, so I, I think it's sure. that, that sort of stuff for me is, is, is really important. Um, and coming out of COVID, you know, I think, yes, we've been eight weeks, but I, I know that um, I've got friends in the UK, right? And they were in nine months in in lockdown right and so there's a lot of hairdressers like well maybe i should do something else maybe i don't want to do hair anymore mm-hmm. you know I, and I, and which is why um i think it's been important for us as as um uh, owners to check in with our guys to, you know just to make sure that they're okay now did you find it hard keeping your team motivated while feeling maybe a little bit exactly the same as they were it's like you were doing the opposite of what i normally tell you to do which is to make sure your cup is filled first so you can fill up others being responsible for a team hey it ain't easy at the best of times which is why I want to dive into this topic a little bit further and when a team starts to grow different personalities can come out to play and keeping everything balanced can be tough so luckily my wonderful team lead Susie who's an absolute rock star when it comes to managing my team here at Salon Owners Collective, she had some key pointers that I wanted to reshare with you to keep in mind when planning for your team and thinking about leadership coming into the new year. Very lucky as a team to have such personalities that are just so beautiful and work very um, harmlessly together as well. So yeah, with this growth, One aspect that we have rediscovered um, is why not how. So um, it's semi-self-explanatory, but there are lots of layers to it. So um, why not how is pretty much explaining a process um, and the way it's being done rather than essentially saying how something is done and sticking to, I guess, a task list of make sure you do this and then you move on to that. And that's how we do it here. Instead of essentially going down that path I feel like um, with a team you need to really step back and you need to explain why you're doing something and really set the foundational roots of why something is the way that it is and how you've come to the I guess conclusion of it being that way and I think involving people in that story allows them to not just be a cog in the machine and be a part of that bigger picture of your company um so yeah explaining the why also essentially allows um your team to tweak things as well if they know why something is the way that it is I feel like they can then see gaps that you might have not seen in the process and they can even like question why something is the way that it is rather than just being like okay yep I'll do it like this because that's how you've told me to do it um so I think really laying down that foundational why allows people to essentially grow with you which is awesome yeah I love that and um it takes a little bit of 
foresight and thinking from the business owner or the manager's point of view to allow the time to explain the why or even understand the why because sometimes we do things because they just make sense to us and then that's the way that it's established Mm -hmm. and then it can be quite confronting when somebody new comes along with fresh eyes that I think there's two ways that we can take that we will either take it and be defensive that say what do you mean you don't like it like that. We've always done it this way. Or what do you mean you want to question the way that we do things? So I think you've got a choice when somebody comes uh, and they see things differently or suggest things differently or don't understand how things work. That you can either take it and be a little bit on the defense by, or, or you know, take it personally that they didn't like the way that you do it or that they're assuming that it's wrong. Um, and we can be... A little bit defensive about that um, or we can take the opportunity that somebody new that comes into our space has new fresh eyes for such a short amount of time and we can take that opportunity to look at and review the way that we do things um, while they have fresh eyes and, and maybe bring new experience and um, new ways of looking at things into the company um, But I think it's got to be rooted, as you said, Susie, in the why. How did we get here? And it's a good opportunity if we didn't understand how we got here to go back and have a look at, okay, well, how did we get here? How did we get to the fact that we do it like this? Is this the best way? Or are we just doing it because we've always done it that way? Yeah, definitely. Cool. Okay. So if we need to take the time for why and not just the how – I think we should, let's talk about the process of that. We need to start with the why and then step through the step-by-step of how we do the thing. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, I think instead of just handing over something to someone and saying, here you go, here's a new task that I want you to start doing, you explain the why rather than just handing over the task. Explain the why and say, hey, this is the bigger picture. I really want to hand you this new thing and what it essentially means for us as a company is x y and z and bringing them into that I guess yeah like I said foundational route before saying and this is your part of it this is how you can contribute to it this is what you're now going to do to help this process succeed essentially yeah or even I can say that it even helps people stick to the process because they know the why Mm. I've got a a, a simple example of sweeping the salon at the end of the night now if you're in a hair salon um this is a job that happens multiple times throughout the day um and we would sweep at the end of the end of the night as we were cleaning up and do a full sweep of the whole place but then in the morning we would also do a full sweep of the place and I remember apprentices a time and time again because they're the lucky ones that get the job because they're not hands-on here at the end of the night like what we just swept it last night why would we do it and if we didn't explain the why they would skip the job because logically they would think well I just swept last night why would I do it again and they would tick I remember they would tick the thing as done because in their mind it was done. I did it last night. No one's come in and had their hair cut right now. So clearly it's done. But until you go with the why and say, well, actually overnight all the hair settles because if you sweep at night, you know darn well if you have a salon, it is blooming hairy the next morning. I don't know where the hair comes from. It floats down from space somewhere. But the floor is hairy and slippery in the morning. And so until they know that and understand that, why would they do it twice if they don't have the context and the backstory? Yeah. Mm, yeah. No. Yeah. That's awesome. Now to answer two questions that I got surrounding team. Um. So the first one, uh, how? And I would love your input too, Riss. Um, how can you be friends with your staff but still have a level of respect and professionalism? I feel like this is huge in the hair and beauty industry. Um, I think this comes up a lot. Um, and straight off the bat, I think, in my opinion, I feel like, um, you should always be work colleagues first and friends second. It's really hard. And you hear like so many people say it, don't go into business with your friends. Um, and I think it is really hard to have that line of, okay, when am I, when can I switch off from work and actually become friends with this person? Um, 
but I think it all comes down to, I guess, who the person is and their personality and yours. So work colleagues first and friends second. I feel like this is when you're in work or at in the salon, you are colleagues 100%. And sure, you can like joke around and have fun. That's just keeping your sanity right but when it comes to stepping out of the salon and let's say like you go for drinks or something on a Friday night whatever it be I feel like in that scenario you are still essentially colleagues and then your friends second even when you are going out with that person and having fun um there are certain things that you just shouldn't do in front of your colleagues and um I think that can be quite hard when you find yourself in a position of um yeah when especially when alcohol is involved right of um trying to keep at a level of professionalism um and Russ I know you can kind of um have your own story on this because you and Nick our executive assistant you guys have known each other since you were like 15 and I feel like you are very much friends and colleagues um so I'd love to hear your input on this as well that's really interesting. Uh, Nick and my relationship started when I was five minutes out of my own school uniform and she was still in hers. And she would come after her after school job at the supermarket around the corner and I would cut her hair. So I've really been cutting her hair since um, since I hardly knew how to cut hair myself. <laughs> Shh, don't tell her. <laughs> um, so, um, and then of course, uh, I set her up with my husband's best friend and so now she's married to my husband's best friend and so we see a lot of each other but it's almost like there are two complete different relationships in one relationship and we're either on work or we're off work and when we're together we actually don't really talk much work at all um, and when we're working we just do work and they're completely removed um, so that I don't know how we got like that, but that's just the way that it's always worked. Um, and so that's nice and simple. But when I had my salon, my 2IC or my, my sort of longest standing team member, um, we became best of friends. She was my bridesmaid and we had babies together, which was very hard when we were both having babies at the same time, given that we were trying to run a salon. <laughs> um, but we always had this sort of established relationship. And she said to me at one point, she said, There's, we felt like we were partners in business in terms of how committed we were to the business. But she said to me one day, at the end of the day, you make the final decision because it's your business. And that was that sort of final, um, that's where the line drew. And, and everything else, I really opened up everything to her in the business. And I think it was the letting her in that allowed us to be close because there was a level of trust, I guess. Um, and we didn't always separate business and friendship um, in terms of the conversations that we would have socially. But again, there was sort of, a, I guess, an unwritten rule about how we behaved. And it was very clear when we were business and, and friends. Yeah, and I do think you do, you, as the owner, you need to just be on a little bit to make sure that you don't cross the line. And I think that is um, the discipline of being the business owner, that at the end of the day, you've made this decision to be a business owner and have people around you and build a team. And I think that's that's the luxury or, or the discipline that we have as a business owner that you have to, you know, just 5% of you be mindful at all times. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And I think how you said the um, unwritten rule, I think also this could come into being a written rule. So like having some kind of document in place that essentially like, I feel like it's hard for salon owners when they are like really close friends with some of their staff and they are put into a position where they need to essentially tell them off or put them back into place. Um, so I think having some kind of written document that you can refer back to, I feel like this means sometimes it's not necessarily directly coming from you, but it's coming from this document or policy that you have in place of, hey, actually, 
you are out of line, but I'm, I don't need to tell you that here's the document for you to read. And it's just essentially reminding them of, yeah, we have this thing and it is a rule and whatever you did didn't fit within that box essentially, but it doesn't have to come from you. It can come from this document that you've set up. So you're not having to have those awkward conversations that you might not like having because the person is really close to you and they are your friend. I think the, the, um, one of the most important things that you can do in business is to remove emotion. I think emotion is designed for human relationships, but it's not designed for uh, to those same emotions that belong to personal relationships to be brought inside of business. Mm. Like It's almost like the business needs to be its own entity. It needs to be a living, breathing human of its own. And we need to treat it like that. It's As a business owner, we need to separate ourselves from the business. We are not the business. The business is a separate entity. And you are yourself and your friend, employee, is also a separate person. I hope there was something super helpful for you in there. I think taking a step back and letting people in to help is the first step to growing your team and your salon. But hey, this isn't easy. Uh, it's not as easy as you think, right? I see salon owners all of the time struggle with not only managing their team um, that they have already, but also facing the challenges of people coming and going. And how can we make a plan for growth if your salon is a little bit like a revolving door? So we need to attract and build a rockstar team for our salon in order for it to grow. And these past couple of years have taught us how important your team is to your salon uh, and why we need to solve the problem of the revolving door, at least plan and have a strategy for that, which is why I love this episode, ditch the fear around people leaving and build a team that will stay. Let's jump in and learn a little bit on how. Hey, I just wanted to pop in to tell you something. Don't worry, we're going to get back to this awesome episode in just a second. Now, if this sounds like you, listen up. You have a team. You love your team, but you're sick of wondering why and wishing your team would make their sales targets. You want them to be smashing sales because it shows that they're actually looking after their clients really well. Like imagine if you could have a way to make more from the clients that you already have, increase sales without spending more on advertising. Well, it's totally possible and I want to help you. And I want to help you do it with ease in a classy way. No hard and dirty sales tricks here. Ways to serve your clients make more because everybody wins. The team, the client, and of course, you, the business owner. Now, if you want to find out more, just DM me uh, and let's chat. I'll make a plan for you. I'm also going to leave a link for you on the show notes of this episode. All right, let's get back to the episode. Maybe there's an inability to find great staff and to fill empty chairs. And this is a real problem for growth. And there are some smart, savvy business owners whose businesses are growing rapidly, but there's this fear around getting too big and not being able to sustain growth. And I think that fear and frustration comes from uh, the worry what if my team leave and decide to rent a chair somewhere else? What if my team leave and decide to work from home uh, and they start to steal my other team members? Um, and I think this is something that's real. It's a changing environment. Uh, there's a new generation of people who want to uh, work the way that they want to work and don't want to work within uh, boundaries of other businesses and want a little freedom. And I think we need to pay attention to this and how we can overcome uh, a migrating team. How can we keep a team close to us? Because I know that the frustration is sometimes it feels like we can't train uh, people fast enough, right? Uh, let alone have the time as a business owner to be able to train trainees and employees and associates and apprentices. And if we can't train them fast enough, we are challenged by not being able to find good employees fast enough or let alone have anybody apply for a job, let alone lose people to rent a chair and uh, working from home scenarios. And these are real 
life fears and frustrations that we face on a daily basis. But then there's this tug and pull. We, we have the fear around growing and managing our team, but we equally want to grow our business. Maybe we aspire to have the million-dollar business and uh, be able to sustain the change within our team. I know that this is something that ultimately creative, entrepreneurial, ambitious salon owners want. Do you know, grow a team that love our culture and grow within us, with us as we progress over years and always be able to have enough emerging talent coming up underneath as we grow and progress that there's always someone in the right position at the right time. I know for me, I wanted to have a great reputation within the industry that we trained well, that we paid well, that we created a career path for team members and that we were known for having good long-term staff members. I know when team members left my business that they could always get a job, a good job somewhere and get paid well because of the reputation that they had as they left my business. I had a good reputation. So I want to talk about the three critical things that you need to establish inside of your business in order for you to be able to grow the business of your dreams, the business, the size of your teams, the size of your business with the team that you want that will stay and progress with you and build that good reputation within the business, within the industry. Because if you start to get a good reputation, then it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? If you have the reputation for paying well and for looking after people and people stay for the long term, then that gets that gets out and that gets around and then good people start wanting to be part of a good business. A-grade players play for A-grade teams. And so if we want to attract A-grade players, we need to behave like an A-grade team. So I want to talk about the three things that we need to do well. The first is I think we need to pay our team really well. I think we need to create a career path for team members so they start with us and they have somewhere to go and grow and develop into the future. If we don't do that, people come and they arrive, they've reached the top of the peak already, it's the end. The second is to grow your own, to cultivate and inspire And have a solid training plan to be able to grow your own team members and to be able to inspire, encourage creative um, team members to be able to stay, to progress. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. And I think the, the third one is actually around culture, creating a sense of belonging, giving people a reason why they should be employed by you, why they should stay with you. What is their unique place here inside of your business? What can they bring to the table? People want to have a sense of contribution and to belong to something, something they belong to that they believe in. It's a little bit like, why do people go to church? Why do people believe in religion or in God or a higher being? It's because we want to be part of something that's bigger than ourselves to follow something, to be part of that. We need to become the church of our industry. So when I had my salon, I had at the the most, I had a team of 30. So we had 12 or more stylists at any given time, 12 income generating stylists. We had three apprentices and, uh, sorry, seven apprentices and three colorists. So I ran a training academy. We trained, I had two trainers dedicated to running the academy and we trained regularly seven people were going through our apprentice apprenticeship program at any given time at different stages and phases we also had three colorists they were not apprentices they were not qualified stylists their job we trained them and their job were to to color we had uh we became specialists at our high ticket service of becoming becoming color specialists I had three front of house we were open more than 40 hours of the week and so we had front of house people that you know shared that role throughout the 
55 hours, I think, that we were open. And one operational manager and uh, the odd support staff that would come in periodically and, and support late nights and Saturdays and what, whatnot. Now, that's a lot of humans, right? There's a whole lot of humans to be able to, it's a big operation. That is a big beast. We used to call it, uh, I've created a monster and now it needs to be fed. <laughs> and it felt like that at times, but to be able to sustain that size of team meant that we needed to have some really strong operational procedures in place. We needed to have uh, a grow your own program. We called it cultivate and we cultivated our own uh, technical skill, skills, skilled employees. We needed to be able to pay people well. We needed to be able to give them a career path, a progression plan, something to move forward to and toward as they grew within our business and reward them as they grew. We needed to create a church-like culture for them to be able to be a part of, be able to contribute to, have a sense of belonging and have a unique place in the world. And we created that place for them. We do the math. For me, when I recognized this behavior, it really took the pressure off me to have to have every single team member my perfect employee. And I think when we start to grow a culture and get a reputation for the industry, we're more, more likely to attract A-grade players. But sometimes a really good B-plus player is good enough. Or we can turn them into an A-grade player. And I think if if we want to grow, then we need to be open to this. Now, I did notice that uh, in, in attracting apprentices, that sometimes that rule turned into a one out of two. Actually, only one out of two would stay and play for the long term and actually complete the apprenticeship. And for in New Zealand, it's a three-year apprenticeship. Um, that too was a real eye-opener to me, but it changed changed my uh, expectation upon people and it gave me permission to say well you're either in or you're out and if you're out there's the door over there and to let people go and not to hold on to them and often I would employ, employ two at a time and as I got bigger I could afford to do that and I think what we need to remember is it actually if we want to be successful employing people and have a higher return of people that stay then we need to think what's in it for them, with them. I call it with them, with them. What's in it for me? For, you know, when we think about, when I say me, not me, the business owner, them. What's in it for them? How are we going to make the math work? How can we make it a win for them? Let's not sit and complain. We just need to JDFI. Just do the freaking work. <laughs> um, just get on and do it. And we need to stop sitting, <clears throat> sitting and complaining about the lack of the industry. So think about it this way. It's a little bit like the chicken and the egg. Which comes first? Or which do we wait for? Do we wait for the chicken to walk past or do we sit on our egg and hatch it? Well, I actually think you need to sit on your egg and hatch the egg while you wait for the chicken. It's not a chicken or the egg. I think it needs to be chicken and the egg. Your strategy to, to growth and success needs to be both. And while we're sitting there waiting for the perfect employee to come along, we could, in all of that time that we've been sitting and waiting, we could have trained somebody to be income generating super quick. All right. So I think, as I've mentioned, the solution is threefold. Let's talk about cultivate. Let's talk about growing our own. I think there's two reasons we need to do this. One is that we shouldn't be reactive and be surprised when people leave. This is just the reality of being in business. You will always be the last man standing. People will come and they will go. Hopefully, we get them for the longest period possible and we give them the best experience possible uh, and we part uh, in happy ways and they move on, remember us as the best boss that they ever had. So we shouldn't be surprised when people need to move on. But also we need to plan for growth. We need to be a step ahead and plan that if we keep growing at the current trajectory, we're going to need more people. And so part of our job as the CEO is to create space to train and cultivate our own 
team members. Don't wait for the industry. Don't wait for the government. Don't wait for more apprenticeships to be available so more people come out the other end. Get on and look after your own ecosystem. Create a system, a cycle that people can come and cycle through your training program in a systematic way that you know that within X amount of time you can get people uh, serving clients, whether it's doing massage or just doing color. What? How can you get those people income generating quickly, swiftly, and promptly in a good quality but systematic manner? How quickly can you get them systematically and in a, cycl- in a cycled way up to being serving their own clients, doing their own clients doing facials, doing their own clients doing color work and cutting and styling? How can we create a systematic growth plan that takes them from a new employee, trains them to be a supporting employee to now being an income generating employee and now put them on a career path. A great team needs a great leader and newsflash an overwhelmed leader does not make a great one. So let's chat about how to avoid this overwhelm because let's face it, it's real. And this year has been overwhelming to say the least on top of the normal overwhelming stuff of just running a business. Most of the time, overwhelm starts with overdoing it and stretching yourself a little bit too thin. I totally get it. I've been there. I've had to learn how to say no. I think as business owners, we try to be superwoman and do all of the things or forget that we're not superwoman. I have actually been known as busy, busy, busy. And uh, it's not a badge of honor to wear, actually, I've decided. I never get half of the things done that I really want to. And I was exhausted, always, no time to spend with the family, no brain space to be present. And did you know that overcoming this just starts with you deciding that that's what you want to do? It starts with realizing that the world won't crumble if you slow down a little bit and remove the pressure from yourself first and your mindset will help you make the change. I know you're going to love this snippet from a juicy episode that I did with Dawn, my lovely guest. She shares around setting boundaries for yourself. Let's jump in and listen to what she has to say. I think we often compare ourselves to someone who's actually 10 years down the journey and we're trying to compare ourselves. We're at year two and they're at year 10 and we're like, Oh my God, why am I not like them? And um, yeah, it it creates uh, not only FOMO, but a little bit of shiny object syndrome. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think maybe as an industry, we're good at that because we are creatives and yeah. the most boring thing in the world is structure, focus, and discipline. <laughs> like it's routine. Oh, yeah. oh, get me out of here. But yeah. I have discovered that, you know, uh, a little bit of self-discipline and a little bit of focus and forcing myself not to be too shiny object syndrome helps me achieve today. But I think we need to unpack, like, what are our days? What are our boundaries? What are we really doing with the time that we have available? I often think... We've got the same amount of time as Beyonce, right? Yep. Right. <laughs> we can't. We, we yeah. And I'm sure she's not checking her emails three times a day and um, doing the menial tasks. So mm-hmm. let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about um, creating healthy boundaries in business. Being a an anxious or creative entrepreneurial entrepreneurial type. Yeah, <laughs> I love this topic because I didn't even know what boundaries were. And when I went and started my own salon, I was self-employed. It was just me in in a 500 square foot like second story of a little mall. And I remember being so proud about the excellent customer service I was giving. I was like, my client wants to come in on my day off. No problem. Like, look at how good of a business owner I am. I do anything and everything my clients ask. And I really thought it was like me care. It was me out of a place of caring. And I have this post on Instagram that says your lack of boundaries is not a form of excellent customer service. Because so many times we convince ourselves and then down the road, we start to become resentful and bitter towards our clients. Like, I can't believe they texted me expecting me to get them in. And we assume someone asking us a question makes us 
uh, the responsible to say yes. And I didn't know I could say no to things. And I didn't know that I could have parameters. And I feared my business would all crumble and fall apart if I only worked within certain hours. And especially like being a new business owner at the time, I was like, I, my dad even said to me and like, I, like he's a wonderful businessman, but he kind of had more of that scarcity mindset of like, if it all falls apart, you have to do yes. You have, you have to say yes. You have to do this. You have to come in. Like whenever business is coming to you, you have to be thankful for it. And it was a trap for burnout. I threw my back out. I ended up in the hospital. I thought I was dying because I didn't know to have any boundaries. And usually the pendulum swung pretty far to the other side when I started to learn what boundaries were and they were not boundaries. I like built like a giant wall around me at first, but learning how to be like, okay, this isn't where you can enter in, but the, the, this doorway over here is, and that kindness, compassion, and empathy that we need to layer into it when communicating it to people. But Matt, I could talk about boundaries all day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think, you know, social media doesn't do us any favors in terms of instant messaging, being available all the time and Mm -hmm. wanting to just you know, we spend time and we scroll, so we're seen as available. And I think we can fool ourselves that, you know, somebody reaches out to us that we have to reply immediately and that creates pressure. But actually, there's no rule book that says that we need to reply within the hour. And if someone messages us on a Sunday, it's actually okay to get back to them on Monday or Tuesday or business hours, actually, if we choose or whatever that looks like. Um, It's up to us to manage that. Would you say? Yeah. And having boundaries with yourself because you can like you can tell your clients, I only answer emails or check my DMs Monday to Friday. And so they may message you Friday night at midnight, knowing that you said that you'll check it on Monday. But if you go in and read it and then stress about it for the whole weekend, that's not their fault. They knew like you can I always say, like, if someone needs to drop something off at your house and they the only time they can come is 3 a.m., you don't feel obligated to go like open the door. You say, put it in my mailbox and I'll get it when I wake up. And same when it goes to like DMs and emails, like don't be upset that a client messaged you on your off hours. Why are you in there checking it on your off hours? And so it's really, really tough because when I started to implement boundaries, I was like, everyone should just automatically respect them and get them. But like when, when you're teaching somebody a new habit, we fall back into the path of least resistance. And so we have to like, if we don't respect and follow our own boundaries, how can anyone else? If we tell people we don't reply on the weekends, but we're replying on the weekends, actions speak louder than words. And that was so hard for me because <laughs> I just wanted other people to just respect it and actually almost make my boundaries for me. Like, don't message me on the weekend. And it's like, no, it's my responsibility as an adult person to not be checking my messages, to have my boundaries and follow through on them so that I keep my overwhelm and my anxiety and my, you know, state of being in check. And so that's been the hardest part for me is respecting and following my boundaries myself. Yeah, totally. Totally. And yeah. And I think on the other side of the coin too, if we are that, like I often will think of something over the weekend and I'll message my team in our message portal, but we pre-frame it and say, I'm doing this now while I'm thinking about it, but I know you won't check it till Monday. So I'm yeah. respecting their boundaries. I don't have no expectation that you'll reply to me right now. But actually, it's in my brain right now, and I just need to deal with it and get it out. Yeah, I need so to I dump be off. out. Yeah, and there needs to be a place to park that. Uh, but I actually have no expectation that you will reply right now. Do you know? Yeah. And so it, yep. it goes It goes both ways. Yeah, and it's, it's hard, and it's a learning curve for sure, and especially for – us creatives that kind of like spitfire and have 10 different inspirations hit us three times a day. It's like, we just got to, we want to get it out of our brain to somebody else to be responsible for it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And just knowing that when our clients do that, like, Oh, I need to book my hair appointment. Oh, it's midnight. I'm just going to send her a message. So it's sent not expecting you to reply. Yeah. And, and not to put ourselves in a place where we're actually, how dare she message me at midnight. That's so bad of her. Well, no, that's, that's just the way we roll now. Right. Did you love that episode? Uh, I love the energy that she brings. Now, while we're on this topic, let's talk about what it means to be an overachiever because it can be addicting, right? The constant feeling of wanting to impress uh, and do more, even if we're just impressing ourselves all of the time. It can be easy to get caught up and you actually start to become or you start to be never satisfied with the end result, no matter how successful you are. I'm big on overcoming this mindset. So I knew I had to include this in this episode. I'm always catching myself on this. So let's have a refresher and dive into this topic. 
really need to nail down is what I call the attraction formula. Uh, where we need to have one ideal client know intimately who we are serving and who we want to attract into our business. So when we do our marketing or we design our service delivery methods, we can attract and serve her. Um, and that we have one marketing message that draws the right client into our business. The one, uh, the one, right? Who is your ideal client? The person who raves about your business uh, and is unflinchingly loyal. The person who, if you could have 50 more, more clients like them, you'd be like super happy, super happy on your way to hitting huge goals. Um, I think the way that you fill your salon with these people is by really niching down and getting crystal clear about who your ideal client is, what challenges she faces, how you can uniquely solve her problems. Uh, but beyond solving their specific problem, you also need to know how to articulate this problem to her and that you can solve it. How does your ideal client talk about their problems and their challenges? And what is it that they say that they want? And I think niching down your message and mirroring back to them in their own language, what they want, what they need and how they like it, you'll find that your client um, looks to you as their soulmate service provider, right? Uh, we have one way to serve her, making her a top priority. And the mistake, I think, is that sometimes we can prioritize the preferences of our team. Um, we need to play the music that she likes, not the music of our team, not the music that our team loves, the services that are suited to our client, not the preferences of our stylists and the fashion fads, but who our client loves. Choose uh, brand suppliers that she will resonate with, that she sees herself aligned to, not just the favorite products of your team or who's the cheapest. Um, and I think that really wraps into not, try, not trying to attract every man and his dog. And when you talk to everyone, guess what? Actually, no one is listening. One message. Um, and we want to create content that she will stop the scroll for and actually look at. Um, not necessarily images or conversations that my 22-year-old stylist loves, but that my 40-year-old client loves. Um, otherwise, she's going to scroll right on by. We want our ideal client to get to know us, like us, trust us enough that she makes the buying decision with us and she chooses our brand, not just once, but again and again and again. And I think once you've got that sorted, then we should focus on one pathway, one platform, one funnel, one step-by-step -step strategy that clients can find us, know that we exist, and then choose to do business with us. We don't, and, and really, we don't want anybody... We just want great ideal clients who care about us and care about our area of expertise, how we can help them. Right. Well, we've made it to the last episode that I want to reflect on for the previous year as we step into the new year. So good job on sticking around this long. And I want to finish with a bang. How to achieve your dream salon. It sounds dreamy, right? Doesn't it? But I had to include a snippet from my episode with Mari McQueen. Now, this is super special to me because she's actually worked with me as a member of my, my salon mastery program. Now, in this program is where I help salon owners with a clear step-by-step -step pathway to grow your team, to grow your business, but without being overwhelmed or working more hours. Now, Mari has absolutely killed it in the salon game and has some great advice for you to show you how it is possible to live your dream CEO life. Right, let's take a look and check out what Mari has to say. Okay, we've been hanging out now together for a while. What would you say are two tangible, measurable changes that you've recognized in your business since joining Salon Mastery? Oh, it's got to be the dollar for sure. Um, since I've started, I've been recording them, you know, all the KPIs um, and really just focusing on that and um, being front of mind on a, on a daily basis is definitely the, the, the biggest change in my business, the growth from when we started, I think almost 18 months ago now. Um, and I mean, and, and all the things that I've, I've said before, you know, the education, the happy team and the good customer service and um through the Salon Mastery Programme, you've helped give me the structure to put those things in place. 
So, yeah, a bit of everything. But, um, I mean, the dollar's what the thing that we want to see grow, isn't it? Um, yeah. So, yeah, I've got you to thank for that. So thank you again. You're very welcome. Uh, well, I love working with you, Mari, because you're an action taker. And uh, we have a conversation together, and before you know it, it's in place, it's happening, it's working. And so uh, I think that is the unique the unique attribute that you bring to your business that, you know, you don't sit and dwell on why things won't work. You just get, get on and get it done, which I, I really, really love. So kind of what I heard there, Mari, was in terms of, forward momentum in your business it's around happy team happy clients focusing your team on the customer over the dollar and focusing the team on the education but then it's your role as the ceo to focus on the numbers not the team your role is to know the numbers how they're performing what levers to pull and how to track results like the scoreboard is the dollars right and knowing your numbers whether that's the teamed kpis or whether that's uh, the business key performance indicators, we call it CEO dash, you knowing those things but not putting the burden of that onto your team and really just helping them serve the clients. Would that be a sort of an accurate uh, way that you do business? That was a very good summary, Lisa, yes. (laughs) All right. Um, I love that. I think that's really the essence of stepping into your role as the CEO Uh, is really taking your role, knowing what your role is and performing that and handing over the role of service delivery to the team and supporting them to do that. And I think that's why you've been super successful. So what would be one piece of advice or words of wisdom wisdom that you'd give to other salon owners from your your five years of ownership experience, nearly six years? Well, you probably guessed it, but it's definitely treat your team well. Because at the end of the day, um, you know, if we treat them well, then they have the integrity to do the right thing when you're not there. And you can step back from doing hair and focus on your business. Mm. Um, You mentioned this earlier. I hope you don't mind if I ask around the finding the fine line between giving them everything uh, and expecting them to do their part or drawing the line. Has that been uh, a tricky road to navigate? Like, the balance of wanting to give them everything but yet get them to perform? Uh, definitely. Um, and I think transparency is definitely the the key to that as well. But it has been challenging. You know, you do want to give them everything, but obviously we need to run a business as well. So, um, yeah, and I mean, then it becomes down to hard conversations and it's dealing with the hard conversations then that come up that when you've kind of got to say no. But I think by educating them and, and explaining to them and letting them understand the business reasons why um, that some things can't be possible sometimes. And look, I think when they understand, um, they, they, they can accept it more, you know, if, but if they don't understand and you're giving them a, you know, a harsh no, then it, it's a little bit different, isn't it? Yeah, I think, I think we underestimate the why in any conversation the importance of the why or the time that we should give the why to any conversation or explanation. Would you agree? Yeah, definitely. Yeah. It gives context to why things are important or the way that they should be. I know uh, when I was younger, my mum would often say to me, uh, I said no, and that's the final, you know, that, okay. I said no, and that's the final, which I think sometimes <laughs> is the appropriate parenting behavior it's also the appropriate management behavior but I think for the most part when we're managing slash parenting adults in our business we have to give why in context to why the business you know to future proof to keep the business going so there is a job for them tomorrow um and I feel like you've got a nice balance of that would you agree yes I do And that's a wrap. Well what a year I'm sure it's one you won't forget and I hope you've managed to take a few takeaways, I guess, and some great advice, tips and tricks uh, that you can put into place as you head into the new year, feeling confident, inspired. You get to get the new year kick-started, and I want to help. Let's make next year amazing by taking your salon to the next level. I see salon owners all of the time who want to reach their CEO dream, but have no idea where to start, how to get there, and maybe they don't have a plan and don't know where to start to implement the plan. Does this sound like you? 
that's where I come in. Uh, come and chat with me about how I can help you level up your business in this new year. DM me. I'm always on Facebook DMs uh, or the Insta DMs. I'm going to leave a link to do so in the show notes of this episode. Let's chat. You can tell me a little bit about your salon and let's see if I can help, help you level up in the new year. All right, that's enough from me for this episode. It's been an amazing year. Thank you for hanging out with me on the podcast throughout the year. Uh, This new year is going to be absolutely amazing and uh, connect with you again same time same place on the podcast ciao for now thanks for joining me on another episode of the podcast tune in every week as i reveal the latest insights and advice on what it takes to truly master your inner salon ceo and master your salon success Subscribe to the Salon Owners Collective podcast on iTunes or Spotify or visit us online at www.salonownerscollective.com. But make sure to join me in my Facebook group for answers to common questions and much, much more. Thanks for listening and I look forward to tuning in with you again next week.